Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. What's up, everybody? We're back on Thinking Outside the Box with my co-host, Bernie, and uh, some really good friends, sometimes enemies of mine. <laughs> Frenemies! Depends on the day. Frenemies. Depends on the day of the week. Frenemies. Can we, before we get started, can I just say, Bernie, your hair looks amazing. <laughs> I want to tell what you said about my hair. It looks terrible. I love your hair. Thank you. I love it. There's a lot of positioning going on. There's totally, I can see it right now. Kevin Kaufman and Fred Weaver, thanks for driving all the way to the side of town to hang out with us for an hour. This is a hike. I just stopped and charge on my way over here. Seriously. And I woke up with a full charge. And that was just to get you going, right? Right, yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Okay, so we got we got to start with our story, like where we met, because this one's always funny how we each remember it. So yeah, which version? Are you, you mean which version you, you tell, remember? Why don't you, why don't you tell yours? Oh, you mean the truth? The, yeah, All the right. truth. <laughs> the truth. So it's two thousand eight. I it, it's like um, man, it's probably February or March of two thousand and eight. And I call, I have got a buyer. I don't know why I had a buyer. I had a buyer because it's a referral from a friend. And Because you're a real estate agent right, at the time. Because at that time, well, I was a real estate agent be. of like less than a year. And I call your, on one of your listings on Burning, Burning Tree, Tree. And I leave you this voicemail like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Did you, have you done this, this, and this, and this? Because it's a short sale listing. And at the time, like Fred and I are really just diving into short sales, like full time. That's all we're doing. And so we're in the throes of learning what that process is really like. So I ask you all these questions over your voicemail, which is probably a three-minute voicemail. <laughs> and that's I, popular. I got yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Listing agents love three-minute voicemails from buyers agents. Um, the good news is you didn't start off. Do you know who I am? Yeah. You know how many transactions I did last year? Because <laughs> the answer was six. Because um, I just got my license, and so the. I, I remember you called me back and left me a voicemail and you're like, dude, I don't know the answer to any of those questions, but clearly you know what that is. So if you if your buyers want this house, you should just negotiate it with the bank. <laughs> I'll fast forward to the punchline, which is we got an approval after fighting for months. It was August 2008. We were in Austin. I'll never forget this. And my buyers literally backed out on day of closing. Jeez. Which, by the way would have been the only closing we had in August of 2008. Here's the funny part, I don't even know if you know this, so him and I are at uh, Keller Williams Mega Camp. Great. First time we've ever gone to that. We, uh, and uh, you remember, obviously I know that you know what was going on in 2008, but so that month, like I bought our plane tickets and made our hotel reservation and literally American Express dropped my credit limit that you know how you don't have a credit limit with American right. Express? Well, they dropped it to whatever my balance was the day that day. Oh, jeez. And so I literally <laughs> couldn't, we couldn't spend another dollar. I think Fred had $7. I might have had $27 in my bank account. I had 31 I mean, it was like, it, we were we were down and out. We That's been a good old day. Quite literally survived that trip on gift cards. We had found gift cards in a desk drawer, like the American Express, like $50 gift yeah. cards. We found a stack of them that we had thought somebody mailed out for us they didn't mail them out that's how we ate on that trip at in Austin that year and oh so God. then to get the news while we're there we already have no money 
we're already spending money we don't have to be there and uh, and then my buyers back out the day of closing while we're there. How did that make you feel, Steve? I'm pretty sure like at the same time, um, we had just been foreclosed on and I was really hoping for that closing as well. So I'm pretty sure we were all in the same pile of shit yes. at that time. And, uh, but it's, <clears throat> it's interesting because when he made that call and I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm like, well, if there's a chance they can get to the finish line, like, I'll give it to them. I mean, yeah. they were like the experts in it, supposedly. I didn't know who they were. I'm like, here, knock, knock yourself out. And that was kind of the start of it. And yeah. then, you know, for me, I had gotten so entrenched in the REOs. So when I had clients need to short sales, I just passed them on to Fred and Kevin. I'm like, here, you guys. That's right, because you ended up doing REOs yeah. like within the next year, yeah. maybe even, not even that yeah. long, maybe yeah. six months or yeah. something. It was, it was, yeah, end of 08, beginning of 09 is when I started doing them. I don't know. Fannie Mae account. Yeah. Well, yeah. I remember because that, like, after after that time, despite the foreclosure, we had started like going to lunch fairly regularly yeah. together. And I remember you, you talking about your broker at the time. I think her name was Sandy. Called yep. called you in one day and like, hey, I need you to take one of these REO accounts, yeah. basically. But what was cool about it was like to not have the ego. Like, even though I had been in the business for ten years, I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I freaking, I'm on my own now. I don't have my parents to back me up on things, and I was broke. But I'm like, well. I might as well do this and figure it out and see what works and it ended up being, you know, 14 years later, here we are yeah. still having lunch probably every half a year now, <laughs> quarter, every you know, year. for some good burger and beer at lunch. I'll say it's usually a burger. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. I think it'd be cool to hear your guys' story. I mean, a lot of people listening, you know, they may know who you are, but they don't necessarily know the origins of everything. Go ahead, dude. Like, how did you we guys were, get together? We were broke. No, that's a good question. There's a broke guy. Let's go see if we can be less yeah. broke together. Yeah. Um, Two broke yeah. guys yeah. dating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Tell us about your romance. Uh, we're business partners. <laughs> business partners. Thanks. Good. Thanks for clarifying yeah. that. Um, you have to this day and age. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let's see. 2004, I got licensed uh, and joined Century 21. For the gold oh, jackets. Nice. That's right, Kevin. Nice. Just for the gold jackets. That's awesome. Uh, fast forward a couple years later, I, I meet this guy maybe in 05, 06, somewhere mm -hmm. in that ballpark. Uh, I went to school with Kevin's wife all the way back in third grade. Dang. Third grade, junior high, high school, college. Yeah. And so um, she was a little nervous introducing me to him. I mean, you can, for those why? watching on video, you can see why. <laughs> um, Obviously. And uh, anyway, we like we went to dinner one night. I met Kevin for the first time, and uh, I think Trisha went, got up and went to the bathroom, and we started talking about real estate. You were yeah. reading Robert Kiyosaki or something like that, and that just kind of got us off in this real estate tangent, wealth building stuff, etc. I'll let you fill in the gap on kind of when you got licensed, and then pick up the story yeah I, so I, if i remember right that was either like you said either 05 or 06 i i actually got licensed in may of 07 end of may june of 07 so 15 years ago incredible timing basically yeah basically, right <laughs> really good timing 15 years ago this month right. and um he called me i don't know it must have been july of 07 and was like hey i need your help uh and he told me he literally explained to me what a short sale was and he's like i need your help though because i'm like i'm getting married and could be out of the country and apparently blackberries don't work out of the country <laughs> well, now not. they don't work anyway they were not water yeah. i mean i don't know either. that anybody knows what that is a yeah <laughs> so he uh but here's the kicker he like tells me about it he's got all these listings uh i guess i kind of re i guess i should fill in the, the blank i sort of i ended up not <laughs> going to his broker i i chose keller williams office and then i guess i recruited him to keller williams as well without really 
knowing it. I was just telling him why I chose this other company. Right. So pretty easy to sell. Want to keep more of the money you made last year? Yeah. It was pretty easy to sell, and they were going to make me wear this gold jacket. So I was like, I'm in. And so, but so he's telling me about he's got all these listings and he knows all these people that are underwater. But then he says, after I'm like, yeah, I'll help. He's like, but here's the kicker. Like, I don't actually know if the bank will pay us. He's like, I have no idea if we can even get paid for doing this. Yeah. Yeah. But like any new realtor, I said, okay, I'm in, you know? Yeah. So, but you guys like that was the opportunity then you too. grew so fast and you guys yeah. figured things out and you figured out how to charge for certain things and how to get the banks and how to get things escalated and I mean you guys rocked it during that time you guys were some of the best people out there doing it I mean you guys were making YouTube videos on the subject matter like really early on <laughs> we should pull one of those yeah. out. I mean, no, we, really we should. No, we should not. Yes, we, we totally should. should. Here, let's find one and, and put it into this episode. Find Did you join us on Short Soap Horror Hour ever? No. I guess. No. I don't recall. No. No. He's, I was invited. He had Ariel Kelly. He had Ariel Kelly. He could not protect me. He couldn't risk that. Actually being known, being associated with us. It's funny. We're talking one of our favorite bank. I'm not going to say the bank for your own good right now, but the bank name you mentioned just a little while ago. Yes. Before we started recording, Dude, they threatened serious legal action against Keller Williams. They threatened to pull, and I want to think about the time. This was 2010. They threatened to number one, never approve a short sale again for any Keller Williams agent in the entire country. And at the time, they were probably 80, 90,000 agents, and to pull every single REO account from every single Keller Williams agent in the entire country if we didn't take down this one video. You thought banks didn't have feelings. Where we said something very truthful, did not make a lie, did not say anything, literally said something very truthful about something that they had done to a client of ours, and that was something they legally, if you will, have the right to do because of their terms of service. Really? But it's just not a really above board thing to do, but you know, letter of the law, it was legal. And so we made a video about it, and that did right not off go well. You go study your... That did not go well for us or Keller Williams. I'll never forget. I mean, like, literally head of counsel for that bank and head of the actually the CEO at the time at Keller Williams were on the phone discussing. I never heard that story. Our video, not a fun one to deal with. Wow. Yeah. What was the outcome on that? The outcome was we were in Las Vegas. Um, we had a call from the guy that owned our brokerage, our market center at the time, Jim Dunning, who I'm sure the yeah. two of you guys know. And Jim calls us, he's like, guys, the, the pressure's on me. Like, I love you guys, I, I, I know what you're doing, but they're telling me that this video has to come down or I have to sever you by Friday. And it's like Thursday afternoon. We're out of town teaching a class on short sales. And um, we basically went down to the hour. We, we took down the video reluctantly with about an hour or two to go because when Jim, they had put so much pressure on Jim, they said to him, if you don't, if this video isn't down or you don't sever them from your brokerage by this time on this date, your Everything. your um, your franchise agreement, you will be in, wow. you'll be cut. You will no longer be a franchisee. Wow. So not they didn't just put pressure on us; they put pressure on the guy that owned the uh, brokerage. You guys really yeah. pissed some people off, didn't you? It's kind of we've crazy. been known to kick the hornet's nest. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> just a couple times. Few. But it's kind of bananas to think back in that era. The the banks, the leverage that they had, the things that they were doing. Some good, yeah. some really really shady. Like just bananas. And people think this is a hard market now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's harder now I think in a lot is. of ways. And it's in a lot completely of ways. different. Yeah. Back then there was cause already, so you could go in with a solution because it was really well defined. And now it's kind of, you know, it's a completely different environment. Well, I don't, I don't know how long it'll be till this is out, but um, you're here where we are recording mid-May, mid 
2022 and I feel like right now it's a whole lot of like we were talking about this at lunch yesterday there's a whole lot of like what's going on right now in the market people are unsure like we can all look at the numbers and see what the numbers say and you know statistically speaking it still says very much a seller's market and it is yeah right and you can also tell that there's a changing like the temperature has changed and people are kind of going a little uneasiness there's a lot yeah. of uneasiness in yeah. the marketplace what do you, you what do you guys what are you guys seeing in your business right now with the agents because I feel like you know everybody I'm talking to they're like oh seven again they're panicking I know I and feel, it's not the same I feel like you talk to our agents probably more than I do about that type of stuff so you, I mean I mean I think it, before we talk about how the agents are responding let's talk about like what's going on like, right our coach said it really well to him a couple weeks ago like unless you've had a real estate license for more than 20 years like you've never experienced interest rates like actually rising for right. for much more than you know a couple days a couple weeks right, whatever. right like right. not a season like we've seen so for most of us unless you've been in the business 20 plus years which even i haven't yeah, I, you're, you're I've seen the, it. You've, you've seen it, but you know, you saw the back half of it. Like we're not used to that. So right. we are used to inventory goes up and down, markets go up and down. But like, just the interest rate itself is a new dynamic totally. for probably 95 percent of the market, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Um, and then you know, how many years now we've we been riding just the wave of appreciation and everything's right. good and everything goes up in value. So <laughs> I think there's just a lot of uncertainty, and when people are uncertain, they try to predict what they think is going to happen. And the reality is, like, none of us truly know. Like, right. we know what's happening right now. Right. We know what's happened over the last yeah. 30 days. We know right. rates have gone up. We know that inventory is going up in the Phoenix market and many other markets across the country. We know that it's ugh, seller's market is cooling down. But, like, where that stops and where that ends, like, I think yeah. that's the, the piece that people don't know. Yeah. So I think the thing that we've been talking about is people are getting really challenged right now. You have to truly believe in, like, home ownership and selling real estate. It's a lot easier to sell real estate when everything goes up and it's yeah. like, cool, I can encourage you. It's like 3% interest rates and no you know, deal. your house is gonna go up 15 to 30% this year. Like, that's kind of an easy sell. <laughs> All day long. People right? actually like, joined the circle and we didn't have to really lure them into it. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not tough to script that one out, right? But now how do I script out somebody who's considering renting right now and sitting on the sidelines versus buying a home today and a lot of uncertainty of like, is the market yeah. gonna go down? What's gonna happen to affordability? And so now we're talking like, I gotta learn some scripting and some dialogues. Yeah. I gotta find people's motivation and I gotta actually like, learn my craft a little yeah. bit more. Skills. You, you, gotta, you gotta know how the numbers move, yeah. right? You know, so you start having better conversations with people around, well, hey, it's gonna cost you this much more, but you're gonna get this in tax relief, you know, when it comes mm -hmm. down to those types of things. And then the agents understand, like I had somebody and I encouraged all my students this morning on my coaching call. It's like, guys, look, go have your lenders run side by side comparisons, you know, 20%, 25%, and then throw in a two to 3% buy down on rate and see what it changes. Right. And these are things that people don't know about. Mm -hmm. They also, mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're not getting into the micro when it comes down to the market, because what's happening is we're okay. Inventory is rising. Well, is it mobile homes that went on the market? Is it's like which part of the sector which is part, rising? Yeah. yeah. And knowing that yes, rates are rising, but right now jumbo products are still at four and a half percent because jumbos aren't backed by the government, right? So all the conforming loans are the ones that are taking the hit, but there's other options out there. So it, it's just that's the thing I'm like. It's a thirst for knowledge immersion into mm -hmm. what's available, understanding what's happening, and then having the right partners that can walk you through stuff. Because to your point, I think there's a lot of people that are working in this business right now that haven't seen anything like this before. Yep. We're in uncharted water, so everybody's freaking trying to find their sea legs. And meanwhile, like you just need to like find the manual, <laughs> like like seek some knowledge, you know. Yeah, yeah. it's funny. This for me, like this is. 
uh, it's this is easier to kind of like stomach or think about on the way. I'm not saying we're going down. That's not a prediction. Right. But in this uneasiness of like everything's been so right. good and so on the way trajectory of up. Like I remember when it first started going up after like after the the foreclosures and short mm -hmm. sales really started to clear up for like I know for us like that was the hard time. That was like our hardest time in real estate was like to learn how to go out and win a listing appointment yes. at someone's kitchen table yeah. and not on the phone just because I knew more about so short true. sales. Right. And like that was that was scarier for me yeah. than this. This is yeah. kind of like this is almost exciting in a lot of ways. Of like, cool, there's something that's going to change. Like we're ha we're having lunch with a couple of agents yesterday. Both one both of them are one super experienced. They're both awesome agents. The other one's only been in the business for two and a half three years. He's and he's kicking ass. But we were just talking about the skill set that's gonna, that's required now. Like, yeah. can you imagine having to call your sellers on Monday to give them an update about the market right. and what's going on, and not to just to review offers? Right. And it was kind of like <laughs> never you could see before. kind of a light bulb for them. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I've not actually had to have that conversation about a potential price change, or how many showings we had instead of how many offers <laughs> we have. Like, that's a different conversation, and it's a skill set that a lot of agents, quite frankly don't have and they, they haven't had to have for, right. for a number of years right and they're gonna have to change them quicker right I was reading a listing yeah. the other day right where it's still like wave everything it's been on the market 20 days they're offering a 1% cobroke and I'm like you better shift that conversation yeah, much dude. quicker yep. in this market or you're you're gonna hinder your sellers and and what they're getting out of it yep well, so it's I, just, I think it's interesting too like you talk about the pivots in all of your guys's business and what you did is did the pivot instead of worrying about where it's going you realize that we got to get to work and figure out what the pivot is like you transitioning from that yeah. short sale environment to like oh my god I have to sit at the kitchen table now but that's a pivot and then that was a purposeful like engagement and like what do we need to learn as opposed to worried about what's going to happen yeah uh, you said you said something about basically kind of not worrying about where it's going well I, here's my two cents on it and i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on it and, and please you guys have been around like a long time in the industry but i feel like right now like my mindset is just kind of i'm terming it survival i don't know if that's quite the right word but it's just like i got to go out and do activities and just keep bringing money in um this is probably not the time to go grow my business necessarily because there's change and shifting going on. So I'm trying to figure out like where my footing's gonna be. But like mm -hmm. while it's going on, like yeah. you don't know what the new normal is, right? So I don't know if the new normal shows up three months from now, right. six months from now, nine months, twelve months. I can see that inventory's rising. I can see that buyer demand's down a little bit, right? I can see that you know just some things happening in the market with affordability. So it's like. I just want to go out and like pay the bills and keep doing business but like mostly I'm looking for like the bigger pivot that I'm gonna to have to make but it's too early to even name that today right right so it's just like stay ready kind yeah. of survive just keep bringing money in but again like we were talking yesterday like we went and looked at our expenses last week and, and this yep. week right like hey is there anything we can cut here right not because like business isn't coming in or because we're having like terrible awful months we're just trying to prepare for like if it does go really bad like let's just be aware of some yeah, things that that could get cut right and so there I, I just think now it's like sort of preparation survival a little <laughs> bit and when i say survival i just mean like you're just kind of trying to float with 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 the game with the game right now yeah. but eventually i'll figure out where to put my solid footing right. whenever i figure out what the new market is for legs. a short yeah there it is right, <laughs> right. Yeah. but right now it's just kind of like just I don't know, be nimble, kind of yeah, watch manage, it manage and, and, you know, manage what you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it feels very much like if you go back to it, right. Remember when COVID, right. When they started shutting everything down, right. March of 2019, 
um, you know, they start going through that process for 20, 2020. 2020, 2020, right? It's all the same. You're respectfully not correcting you. That's okay. Thanks. Thanks. That's okay. I'm used to that. Um, <laughs> but you know, there was a lot of people that made knee jerk reactions, right? Yeah. They started cutting things. They're freaking out. Like, what am I going to do? And I think that that's, you know, over the last couple of years, and our industry is really good about this, right? Everybody's increasing their lifestyle, their expenses, because things are good and things are easy, but nobody's putting anything in reserves to where they buy time to pivot, right? And we're, we're very well set on our reserves and I'm okay pivoting, I'm okay if it slows down a little bit, but it's now about how do we have these better conversations, just keep doing what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? Without freaking out. Yeah. Because, yeah. because if you freak out, you can't have good conversations with your clients. Right. And if you start fear-based, you know, it's just, it's the thing I keep telling people, you have to go at it. Unlike 08, like, you know, when that all happened, I was burying my head in the sand. I didn't want to talk to my clients. I was losing everything. So I'm like, this time I got to go straight at it and talk about it yeah. and get people to understand what they're doing and what the purpose is. And like right now, even the, the investor community that I'm working with, like we can still get a decent rate and we're still, the rents are starting to rise again because it's going to be cheaper to rent than it is to buy unless somebody gets creative or they understand it. And so I'm just kind of like going back and forth with that preparation mm. that it's still there. Yeah. <clears throat> and guess what? I still think markets like this, they create opportunity. You yeah, know? for yeah. sure. I'm kind of sitting around waiting for the opportunity too. It's right. Like, like you say, don't get emotional. Don't freak out. Like <clears throat> I enjoy watching, I mean, See sorry, but other people freak out and get emotional because yeah. like they're going to get out of the business. They're going to go back to their, their jobs or whatever else. So like part of the survival for me, whatever that time frame is, three, six, nine, 12 months, I don't know, but it's just like, let some of that, like, let everybody else go freak out, get out of the business, like, just hang 100%. in, right? Because yep. well, you will, we will look up at some point if things yep. can trend towards a buyer's market, right? Where it's like, cool, now I know what my new normal is and my opportunity is, and there's a lot less competition around me, and there's a lot less certain people, a lot, a lot of people that don't have the reserves that I do or whatever else, and now I get to pounce. Right. So, I'm, I mean, I, I look at it as opportunistic, yeah. but Absolutely. I'm kind of excited for the change. Yeah. I forget the guy who's, who said it or whatever, but some quote effectively, like, chaos creates opportunity like all day long. so when people start freaking out like that's good that's good news yeah from a st purely strategic standpoint like from business standpoint chaos is chaos is good yeah and some people will have that you know chicken little sky is falling I need to get yeah. out now before this happens and <clears throat> you know again it's just being creative it's thinking outside the box and it's how can you strategically help people accomplish what they want to accomplish in this market yeah, yeah. What's well, one of your strengths, man? You're really good at figuring out, like, why are we even having this conversation? What are you trying to do? Where yeah. are you trying to go? Here's the limitless, you know, or yeah. 99 different ways I could get you there. Like, yeah. let's talk to them. Yeah, because as Kevin said, strength, I said man. no rules in my video yesterday. He's Ooh. like, your broker should be having a shit fit right yeah. now. <clears throat> it was actually specifically to the solution that I did. I had no rules to it. <laughs> it was so it was funny. his presentation delivery of it. That's all. <laughs> oh well. What? How are you guys what? like over the years? Like, what is like the mentoring, coaching, training look like? How's that evolved for you guys in terms of your, you know, downline teams, things like that? Because you guys, you know, run a pretty substantial operation. I, I think first of all, like we're always committed to to learning and being mentored and taught by others like so that, that I think that's something that doesn't change no matter what so we're always making sure that whatever we have to do to either be in a physical room or in a relationship or in a conversation with somebody somebody's that can help us with our business our mindset etc is something that's never changed so only the changes are the conversations the strategies that right. come out of it um, and I, I I don't know I don't I think we just try to also make sure 
for the people that look to us to lead them in one way or another, whether it's whether it's within our like revenue share group or our community or within our actual sales team, we just I think we just try to bring the same conversation, right? And have have those conversations about reality. Right. You know, that's the one thing I have to commend you guys on is just how you've built your network over the years yeah. and the things that you've done in your community over the years. It's it's impressive, right? Um, and I think that's it's an empire. <clears throat> it's an empire. It's but you guys, you guys did something. Like I hope you don't mind me saying this. You guys did something that was not norm in the EXP world when you guys came over. You guys built the network and you organically built it, but you didn't go out to recruit. You went out to add value to people and really bring them in. And that's what I saw when you guys were doing that. You know, but a lot of people that had approached me, it was just like a crazy, you know, recruiting thing um, from that standpoint. And I know there's a lot of changes over the years too. I think. That's just our style of sales. Yeah. That's our, so whether we're recruiting to the brokerage or to our sales team, or if we were selling something else, car wash, whatever, right. I think that's just more of like who we are and our style of it. And it's just a matter of like, hey, this happens to be the thing I'm selling. It's EXP or, it, or my team or this coaching program or, or whatever, right. Right? right? You know, like that's just the way we approach sales is really just through building real actual relationships, relationships. with people. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember when we were working together like a million years ago, but learning how you guys structure just somebody shows up day one, they go through this, you had like a great, I mean, you the literally training. had, yes, you yeah. literally had a pamphlet and everything that really showcased like the, you know, look like candy land on there. Career opportunities guy. Yeah. Okay, did you just say it? what was it called? Career opportunities yes. guy, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm playing a board game. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what it was like. Back yeah. to what you said though, like what we've done on the brokerage team, whatever side is, I mean, honestly, what most of us should be doing on the database side with buyers long. and sellers and people yeah. that we know, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't, I mean, in one market, I might be offering this service and another market, I might be offering this service. Like my services and my offerings are going to change yeah. but if my value add and my staying in touch and building right. on the relationship yeah. is there then I can always be kind of changing the you know like the the sales pitch or the offer yeah. or whatever right. and I think like we've done that with our database over the years we weren't as good at it early on like we we, we, we made it out of short sales and transition in traditional right. business. Right. I think we, if we had it all to do over again, we'd do it very differently. But it's kind of the same yeah. way that we've handled, you know, recruiting, so to speak, sure. to grow our team, grow things that we're doing yeah. with EXP Realty, et cetera. It's just like, how do you create the community, bring value, and then, you know, you can yeah. have your offerings from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys have just done an awesome job yeah. with it over the years. Well, I feel like, too, you guys have always, like, right now, you know, I've been saying this lately, is a lot of practitioners are like courtesy clerks like <laughs> you know as opposed to really thinking about what's happening in the market thinking about what the knowledge is the solutions yeah. and asking yeah. better questions right so so many agents now are in a mode of like somebody says oh I'm just gonna stay put for now but like, go oh, okay have a good day courtesy clerk right as opposed to asking more questions <laughs> right to figure out what they're really trying to accomplish and then having the ability to really parlay with them on what you know like being able to share with them the things that are really happening, different ideas, resources. And I feel like you guys have always had that like desire, that grind to like learn and know as much as you can about what's happening. I don't know. I think there's just like, if you're actually, you know, doing that, you're asking questions, getting to know people, finding out whatever it is that they want, whether we're talking about buyers and sellers or other real estate agents or fill in the blank with whoever your consumer is. Right. If you're actually just approaching it from that person as a person, and you can do something to help them, then then help, first of all, then help them. Right. Right? Right. And 
again, regardless of what the offering is, I can help you sell your house. Like I could buy your house from you, or I could you could come to my brokerage. I could help you grow your business. Fill in the blank with all the different offerings. Like, cool. This is what I think you should do. Here's how I can help you. And some people are going to naturally just find their way over. And I think the real thing for us, like I know for in building our business, a lot like having to learn how to become a realtor, as I'd call it, like in 2013 and 14, and learning how to be a recruiter, if you will, and grow that business was combining that with not just asking right questions, but then asking asking the right questions that people think and dig deeper to go, hey, maybe this is a better opportunity for you, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's okay if it's not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help either way, but maybe but maybe you'll be better off because of this, and not just letting it yeah. go. Like you, you said, not just being the courtesy. Right. Clerk. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys spend a lot of time still with buyers and sellers, like quote unquote buyers and sellers? Like where's like most of your time spent now as you've grown all the, the business? I mean, what year was it? 2015, 2016 that 15. we, that we both yeah. basically stepped out of the day to day of like selling real estate, meeting with clients. So Steve's still, I mean, that's, he's, he's amazing at it. I mean, he has, he has leverage as well, but like there's parts of it. Well, that's, I think a great at, right? business person is you hire yourself out. Yeah. We, we just, we looked on up one day and not, not cause we were probably the best at it or not because we had even arrived at the point where we deserved to do that. We just looked at it one day and said, do I want to still be sitting across the kitchen table yeah. with a seller or driving buyers around like five years from now? And the answer was no. Yeah. It was like, well, it's sooner rather than later. We should probably just pull the bandaid off because what happens, you know, we, we had watched other people and you watch other business owners, like the further you get in, the harder to pull the bandaid off. Sometimes mm -hmm. it is right. Cause right. the bigger the step back. So right. we were doing okay, but it wasn't like we were killing it. We weren't making seven figures a year. Um, and it was like, okay, well let's just pull that bandaid off now. It's a lot easier to, to go backwards right now than it is later. Let's see what sure. happens. Let's see if we can do that. So, yeah, so we're very active with like our database, meaning that like we both have a very, you know, dialed in database that gets mailed to, emailed to, you know, called, et cetera, right? With different value ads. So business comes in the door, whether it's direct or whether it's referrals. Um, but That's him huge. and I aren't the ones that are like carrying right. the business out. And yeah. I mean, over time, like for anybody listening, it's like, yeah, you're going to have some people that no longer come to you if they know you're not the one carrying out the business. Like that's yep. going to happen. Yep. But you just, you roll with that punch and you just say, okay, cool. I'm going to succeed okay. in, in spite yeah. of that. Cause my main objective is I don't want to be doing this long term. Sure. So I'm going to succeed around that. Right. So we've just built a business of, you know, having a database and having great agents that we can hand the business off to and being able to really nurture the client on the backside of the transaction once they're in escrow, um, keeping that really good uh, and then keeping people coming back for that. Yeah. How, how long does it take you to work through that choice? Are you guys pretty decisive and quick? You pivot really quickly or was it kind of like we had a, We had an actual conversation. Like it was a, it was a moment in time that we said, but the thing we were both clear on is we did not want our incomes to be dependent upon sitting at the kitchen table ourselves anymore. Those are big, those are really important moments to realize what you want for yourself in the future. Yeah, and we, and I, to Fred's point too, I think it was probably an easier decision to make then because the, do the dollars were less, right? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Smart. like we're in a, such a great business <clears throat> where we can make a lot of money. Nobody would feel bad for us with the amount of money we were making at that time. But we did say like, we, we're gonna have to just draw a line in the sand eventually, so let's just do it now, and like let it hurt now, so that way we can actually figure out. Figure it out. Because if uh, what we knew is if we didn't at least try, then we would never figure out how to do it without our involvement, and we just didn't want the type of business. I think many times over the years we've both been like, if our income is gonna be solely dependent upon us going and doing it, 
we're probably gonna have to do something different. Mm -hmm. Like we're both gonna have mm -hmm. to we're gonna have to find a different business, and we might just work we, for we Steve would, or something. Yeah, like I mean, we would have been, <laughs> been realtors on the you side. Guys be great. You guys go for titles, title reps. I don't care. Truthfully, like we were like it would have to be a side thing, and it couldn't be the main thing. So we kind of both, I think we both approached it that way of like, I'm, see, I'm not working weekends, I'm not working at night. And so that means it's gotta look like this, and which means we're gonna we're gonna take a step backwards and we're gonna see if we can and make it work. And if way. it doesn't work, it doesn't work, yeah. but I, we think we can make it work. I think that's so huge for anybody listening, no matter where they're at in their business, because you guys had conviction with the choices that you wanted to make for what you saw in the future, which, and a lot of people I think will make that choice, but then they flounder because everything's not going perfectly based on that decision in that moment in time. But okay. the fact that you had conviction in that and you just kept, kept tweaking along the way, I'm sure, and then you made the decision to step first early I mean, I think that's a great, you know, opportunity for a lot of people listening to know that have conviction and what you want to accomplish in your business and where you see yourself on the other side of it. Yeah. What's the what's the secret to, you know, so many people that I hear like, hey, we're going to partner and we're going to do these things. And you see like the freaking partnership divorce, you know, six months, a year in. But you guys have been going on 14 years, right? And yeah. uh, just the friendship, the partnership. I mean, what what's really the secret to that success for you guys? I mean, what would you tell people? value and appreciate the other person's spouse more than your business partner. <laughs> so, like, I, I mean, like how you set that up to almost sound yeah, like about, about the partner. Yeah. I mean, I, we always jokingly say, like, you know, he likes my wife more than he likes me. I like his wife more it's than I really like him. Much of a joke, Just so. don't want to, you know. Um, I don't know. We did a Dude, whole like I mean, we did a couple we, hours on this topic. We get asked Sum that, it up for us. We get that asked that question a lot. So we bet. literally sat down and just like, let's get all of our thoughts out on that. Um, and it, I mean, it, it took over an hour for sure. Um, dude, I, I think at the end of the day, what I, what I would distill it down to is we have a somewhat of a common focus or goal, if you will, not to say that we both have the exact same life goals. They're in alignment enough to where they're in the same direction. Um, we respect each other enough and there's just not a lot of ego at the end of the day. Like yeah. I don't, yeah. I just. I don't think either one of us really cares that much about who gets credit for something. Uh, as long as the deposits are there, like we're yeah. both, I think we're both pretty okay with it. And because we're, again, those kind of goals are in a, in a common direction. And I think we're also both really comfortable now. This doesn't happen overnight, but sure. I think we're also both very comfortable in the skill set or the, that our behavior slash <laughs> actual kind of refined skills bring to the table and how that enhances what we do together and I think kind of knowing that like I, the biggest example I can give is if you were to send me an email or you send me an email asking something or you send it to both of us and like only one of us would reply because we would know that whatever the takeaway was is in one of our courts and we're at the point now 14 years later we don't even have to say hey do you got that or oh, right. I got that we just literally know it's it's a it's a subconscious thing of like oh that's Fred's wheelhouse like I literally don't even have to respond to the email or it's my wheelhouse and he doesn't have to respond to the email and we it. and we don't even have to have a conversation about it but I think a lot of that comes with sitting in the same office we still do to this day for 14 plus years we hear each other's conversations thought process we kind of always joke about how we just have one conversation that it gets interrupted by meetings and appointments and stuff like but it kind of just is always going Right. That's cool. Yeah. I would add, I think everything Kevin said there's factual, accurate. I think that's why it's lasted so long. The one thing, and I may overvalue this, I don't know, but I always like to share this. Like, I think the reason early on it worked is because we we got in a car one day and went for a really long oh. drive to sort of hash out how this partnership was going to work and start out and whatever else. 
And historically, we had both come from another different partnerships where we felt the other partner or partners we were in business with maybe weren't carrying their fair share of mm-hmm. the weight yep. and or, you know, we were being undercompensated, whatever, right? Right. And so we were like, we're not going to allow that to happen. So Ever. how do we, de- like, how do you defense against that? That I don't like just live off of you, you don't, or you don't live off yeah. of me. Like, how do we, what's the defense mechanism for that? So when we started out our partnership, we started out where whoever generated the business got 85% of the income on the piece of business that was generated and the other partner got 15 and every but we always split the expenses 50 50. so from the okay. start we unequally or disproportionately shared the income based on who brought the business in so it created a scenario by which neither one of us was going to be able to live off the other one and so like we both had to go to work like That's what awesome. i see in most yeah, partnerships is like at one point in time one of them is clearly the better lead generator better rainmaker right. better you know bringing yeah. in revenue and the other one becomes more of the better behind the scenes yeah, administrative one yeah. and the revenue generator typically resentful. at one point get, look, yeah. looks up a couple years in or a couple months in it becomes resentful of the other one is like could just hire you out for right. 50,000 70,000 100,000 so instead smart. of splitting the business 50 yep. 50 and so yep. like our whole thing was like how do you how do you defense against that so that's what we did it didn't stay 85 15 forever it you know went to 80 20 and 75 right. I mean, it, took, dude, it took us three it took, it took three years to years. get to 50 50. But by that time, again, think about that. Which how I much, think it's relatively how much trust? How much trust is built in mm-hmm. three years of like, we just literally kept inching it like 5% at a time, closer and closer. And the thing was, because we're all, we're all so competitive and like to argue with each other and stuff like that. So <laughs> the thing was- Kevin we were, likes to argue he, he's better because he likes units. I prefer how much dollars are in your bank account. Whatever. So I always won in the dollar category. You're such an idiot. He won in the units. <laughs> the point was like we literally, oh, we what, what stopped it was like, I think at the time we were literally at 55, 45. And we're like, we are causing extra work for our staff just because we like to compete with each other. Totally. We could probably just do this on a spreadsheet. Let's just make it 50 50 and yeah. call it good. So that way it'll be easier for the staff, for our staff. And yeah. But and three, we it did take three years. And we should mention over those three years, a lot of business was 50 50 because we yeah. created it together. Like, right. When we went out and started teaching short sale classes and people started referring us transactions, like that wasn't an unequal split. That was an equal split. Right. That was 50 50. And so eventually, that stuff started getting a lot bigger than the individual right. stuff. But I think to get started, the reason it even got to the place where all those other things you mentioned matter Maybe. is we, we neither one of us could, you know. I don't, I don't know if it was actually splitting the money the way we split it or if it was just the fact that we were both willing to. Right. And it's probably yeah, just the fact that we we're both willing mm-hmm. to split it, not the actual splitting of the money the way we did it that made it work long term because the person that, that, would, that wouldn't even agree to that like that's a that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a red flag yeah. in a partnership, I believe. Yeah, yeah. and you know, what, what has happened in your has you guys ever have you guys ever had a moment in your partnership that maybe was tough to get through? I mean, almost every day. But <laughs> have, you, have, <laughs> you, have you ever told <laughs> this guy? Jeez, Bernie. No, I, we've had. I think uh, we've had tough moments in our business, not in yeah. our. I mean, I, there's definitely, we used to joke of like, we, we're not allowed to both have a bad day at the same time because we're both such like strong personalities. If we both are pissed off at the world or at the business one day, like we could shut it down. So I bet wow. you're pissed off at the world more than he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that bad. Uh, like, the, but the reality was, is like, so we would always be like, we had to kind of temper that and like sometimes yeah. purposefully stay away. Like, hey dude, I'm going to go home or you should go home or something like <laughs> I got it. Yeah. You guys you know ever throw I mean? your flip flops at each other in the office? 
Shut up over there. Fred only throws phones, not flip flops. Yeah, by first year phones negotiation. Oh my god, why are you wearing tennis shoes? Yeah, because 2020 was weird. 2020 was so damn weird that I kept shoes on. I I started wearing tennis shoes two years ago. It's still news to people though because. <laughs> I, I'm old, dude. I got. I kept oh, getting hurt. Right. <laughs> I just literally kept hurting my feet, and now finally, he's a tennis shoe snob, though. Is man. he? Oh, well, yeah. because number one, I, like I tried like 15 different pair, and I had. To he's find, on Zappos. There's just pair after I had pair to after try, pair. They had to be comfortable and not look dumb. Like that, that was my criteria, <laughs> and so I. It took me a long time, and I landed on a pair, and now yeah, I'm a now snob. Now you have them in 20 different I'm colors. A snob about maybe. <laughs> it's yeah. actually like probably only 13 or 14, <laughs> but yeah. Just listen, dude. Just because I don't have all the same red pair of Converse like you do. Dude, I'm wearing cowboy boots. What are you talking about? You didn't Today, know I changed that listen, out? Listen, I talked to your wife. I know what she gives you for Christmas. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so literally 2020 was weird. And for me, the way it showed up as weird is I started wearing, wearing shoes for shoes. safety reasons. Because I'm old. <laughs> safety reasons. <laughs> I mean, I still, I still got a group forty six ten pair of flippers, flip flops on my. They're vintage. They should be worth something someday. (laughs) We have so much in common. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask this question because it's always been one of those topics at lunch, right? If you go back, advice wise, right? We've gone through, you know, fourteen years. What are, what would you have done different as far as like the investment side? It's not even close, dude. Buy more real estate. You know, every it sounded time- like I cut you off, but I actually held on like three extra <laughs> seconds there. You're like, hugging for like I'll give you the nuanced part of that. Like, you, first of all, you know how many times we left lunch with you where we're like, fuck. <laughs> sorry, sorry. You can edit that out if you have to. No, we have it's, okay. it's okay. It's okay. So if, if like, um, we're like, we'd literally like, dude, because you tell us about this appointment you went on and then you turned it into this deal and then you did that with it. We're like, and we were too, we were so damn focused on making sure our, our system was what it was and yep. we, the team was what it was. And if I could change anything, it would just be I would take an extra minute or two a week and look at the deals that literally came through my inbox and just buy one or two of them a year. Like yeah. $30,000, $50,000. Oh my God. I'll never forget sitting at Taco Surf when my buddy Christian Peter said to me, and like, this is like back in 2012, he's like, just buy one piece of real estate a year. Just do yeah. that for 20 years and 20 years you'll be fine. And even like, I just, I couldn't even hear that then. So there, I think there was a lot of advantage to what we what we chose to focus on mm-hmm. and stay like super narrow focused, and then the the other side of that is, yeah, and I wish I owned more real estate already. We've been making yeah. up for lost time as fast as we can, but the reality is, is like that would be the one thing I would change, like hands down, not even close. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, just it is, but it's not right. I, like that's really good. Yeah. But you yeah. can't you can't go back and and regret anything that you didn't do because no. we'd all be really retired if we bought every short sale and every REO that came across our desk back yeah. in the day because you could have put REOs on on freaking credit cards back then and been fine <laughs> right you could have fenced them for ten not years on your and I mean dude I, <laughs> they're, I, happy, <laughs> they're happy to let me spend as much money as I want today <laughs> right but, but uh, man I couldn't go over three grand <laughs> but I was trying oh to tell somebody God. that you know even right now you're looking at things and it's not a go jump on anything, but wait for the right opportunity. And even though you might buy one this year that seems to be a little high, right? But you keep on that same path of one a year, one every two years. And if an agent in their life of their career, right? So let's say 30 years, if they did one every two years, right? They bought 15 homes, Mm -hmm. right? What would that change for their retirement, their, their stuff, you know, all the different things. 
Um, so I just, I was just curious. What was the you experience guys. I could share with the people they serve? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you've said this to us for years, and like a lot of your advice, we've ignored it, uh, and vice versa. <laughs> but, but it's like we, as agents, we, I don't know if, by the way, I don't know if there's a compliment coming or not right now. I have no idea. Apparently not. <laughs> as agents, like we get to see all these opportunities like, right, right yes. in front of our eyes, and like so, like when Kevin yeah. says, I would have just spent two or three minutes or whatever you said, you know looking at the deals that, you know, the listings and other opportunities that came across our desk. Like, you've been great at that for all these years. Like, you've always yeah. been great. You've always looked at it through two different lenses. Like, right. hey, is this something I should consider buying? And how do I help this person all at the same right. time? And we just passed up way too many yeah. opportunities, you know? So if that's something that you guys, you know, wish you would have done better, what's, what's the teaching in your organization now with that? I, again, dude, I, I think it goes back to what we said earlier, which is, we're always trying to stay in rooms where, where we're learning. And we just, I think we try to do a, we, we try to bring the same messages of the lessons that we're learning back down to everybody, whether they're actually on our team, in our building, or sort of in our world. So we, we talk a lot about being able to buy real estate, you know, anything that we can do like that. Um, first, by being the example and letting them know like hey like having the one-off conversations with people i'm never we're just never going to push anybody into anything ever sure and but we're always going to have the conversation to be totally open about <laughs> here's what my strategy is and here's yeah. why i think it's the right strategy at least for me and you know if you want more of that or whatever like right. we're always open books to help them yeah, yeah awesome. i mean you hear this stuff all the time the thing i kick myself for is like earlier in life, not putting a certain percentage of my income aside and just deciding totally. that was for investments. Even if I didn't know what I was going to invest right. in and just, just letting that, that, yeah. that grow, like in some account I don't touch, yep. in some bank I don't go to, yep. like just that, <laughs> yeah. like that simple of a, like that's something I will teach other people, yeah. teach my kid, et cetera, right? It's just like that no, a certain percentage is always going to investment. Even if you don't know what to buy today, I don't care. Just put it aside. Just put the money aside. Yeah, I understand <clears throat> inflation. I understand you get 0% interest. I don't care. Like it's the habit of putting a certain percentage aside yeah. to eventually get into the habit of more regularly buying assets because that go up and down. Again, it's so much easier to do something when it's when you're talking about low dollars at when you're talking about low risk. Like let's just say I'm going to say only. But let's say you make 100 <clears> grand a year. It's a lot easier to put aside a 10 grand a year into an account, even if you don't have an investment identified, yeah. than it is once you're once you're making a million dollars a year, you start talking about putting a hundred down. Yeah. And here's what's the deal. This has been, I, I think maybe a lot of people's experiences, like when you get to a million a year, I think a lot of people's like still spend a million a year, but if you're like actually aware of that, then the number's not, it's not like 10%. You're like, first of all, I know the way I feel is like, I got a bunch of time to make up for, so right. it's not like 10%, it's like 40, 50, right. 60%, yeah. right? right? Um, I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but I saw this video with Shaq a few years ago where he was talking about, you know, you know the video mm -hmm. I'm talking about, where he was, part of the reason why he wanted to be the Lakers is because of Dr. Buss, the, the owner of the Lakers at the time before he passed away. He was an extremely wealthy person, like billionaire, and he promised to kind of mentor Shaq business-wise and, and stuff. And one of the things he said, he's like, you know, the thing is that he's like, you're rich. You make a lot, I pay you a lot of money to play basketball and, you know, millions and millions of dollars a year. And he's like, if you ever want to be actually wealthy, then you got to take 25% right out of the gate. And like, that's investments and savings. Like, you don't touch that. He's like, but if you really want to get well, real wealthy like me, like you double that again. And you live off of less than half of what you make. And that's how over time you just get to be, you know, yeah. you'll be a billionaire. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, and he's he's an insane business person now, right? Yeah, all the is. franchises he owns, the real estate yeah. that he owns, yeah. all the all the things, and he's probably still putting money away. And you could tell, like, he is too, because he always tells his kids, he's like, he always tells his kids, like, you're not rich, I'm rich. Yeah. 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 You guys yeah, are yeah. just my kids. Exactly. Yeah. Once, you, once you're out, you're out. Well, wait till, well, it's, how old are your kids? Months five. Seven or nine. Yeah, you're you're not far away from it, but, you know, the experience that I've had, and just, mm -hmm. it's so recent over the last couple of months, just realizing how, I hate saying this, how financially illiterate people truly are. Like, you just talk about saving, yeah. right? And so I started doing this talk track called Dripping Faucet Fills a Bucket, right? And people don't realize that if mm -hmm. you don't do the small drips, right? If, yeah. it's, if you won't save $10 out of 100, you won't save a thousand out of ten, and you won't save a hundred out of a million because yep. you've never created the habit. And so, watching my boys as they've gotten their jobs and teaching them and all the things has been insane to see. You know, they're saving about half of their paycheck, and it's going into savings. And we review their financials every week, and just seeing like how that will change the course of their life, and then showing yeah. them other things <clears throat> to invest in. Yeah. Right. So it's 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 kind of fun when you need to That's go through brilliant. that. I would say that's the other thing too. Going back is, I wish we would have done. Um, I wish I would have done a like a financial like statement sooner, like a net worth statement. Oh yeah. Like like with any sort of regular, even yeah. Even year, even if we had done one yearly for the last like decade, probably would have bought more real estate if we did. Yeah. <laughs> probably would have been like, hey, this goes up if we keep Buy adding. More real estate. The more yeah. addresses, more, more addresses yeah, we put in the line. goes down. Yeah. The, yeah. This one goes down, it goes up. up. Like yeah. that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's interesting to say that because I've started telling people like looking at the real estate is you know we're so and I'd love to get you guys' opinion on this. The market or the industry is so focused on the transaction, the GCI thing but they leave out some of the important things, like is, are you getting your net worth to move every year, right? How is that changing versus just focusing on these two metrics? What are what are some of the other metrics that you guys are getting, you know, your agent stuff to focus on? You wanna take that first or? No, I have no idea how to answer that. I mean, I'm not, I'll answer it from myself, which is like literally what I just said about the <clears throat> net worth statement, like yeah. just focusing on that alone um, and then, I guess the sorry the one thing I would add is that like we've both joined brokerages in the last couple of years that mm -hmm. offer opportunities to mm -hmm. put money away, which like in the history of real estate brokerages mm -hmm. that wasn't something that was even on the table. Yeah, you guys yeah. were an early adopter of that, right? Right. Yeah. So just the the habit of like putting some of your money aside and maybe watching your company match yeah. or offer a discount or what like. I mean, just the idea of that is pretty revolutionary. So that is one thing that we're always encouraging people, right? Yeah. And it's like, you, you, you gotta like, like, why would you not? It's insane if you like look at it and you know, we're both at different competitors that do it, but the money that's been given back and awarded for certain things that we do on a daily basis yeah. is free money. It's better than some of these 401k matches that people get yeah. at their companies. And you're just like, this is dumb. Yeah. So what are the number one agent in the XP Realty, good friend of ours, he's, he's uh, He's in our group. He's used to be an investment banker prior to real estate. And I mean, he never, I'll never forget on the way over, he literally said, well, that's free money. He's, yeah. he's And I was like, okay, well, if Andrew Franklin said it, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Like if his, if his math deduction was that's free money, then I can Whenever stop trying to calculate this myself. Yeah. When you think about how many brokers out there charge franchise fees, Right. It's got to be 70% of them, 60% mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. them. I, as far as agent population right. lives, it, right. probably 50, 60, 70% of brokers that do that. So we don't think anything about like paying some like national, international brand 
three, six, six point nine percent, whatever, right? Because of inflation. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, we, we don't think anything of it. Like, right. we just like we were, you know, we were. Like, I was essentially twenty one. Like, paid my royalty fee. I was right. at Keller Williams for eleven years. Paid my royalty fee. But then you go over to brokers like EXP Realty or Real Brokers, whatever, where it's like, oh, now I can like, pay there's no myself. actual national franchise to pay, uh, you know, royalty yeah. fee to. So it's like, do I want to pay myself a royalty fee? Like that's right. how I look at these yeah. stock programs. It's like. For years, I was sending this big corporation that did nothing for me, you know, percentage off the top. Now I can send it to myself. Like, yeah. I think there's people a, still struggle with that. There's a there's a misconception, so you know, when it comes down to either one of our brokerages, where when when we talk to people about it, that they think it, they've got to recruit a bunch of people to do whatever it is that we're going gaining. But the reality is, if you just look at the ROI on what when you, you already do, when you meet your caps and what you're given back. Like that's simple, right? Yeah. That's that's the only reason that I came. It was just like simple investment math. Like, well, I'm already paying this, so and I don't get anything for it. So I might as well, I mean, I own my own building and all the other things, I might as well get something in return for what I do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Everything else is just gravy after that. Yeah. But I think people need to yeah. ask themselves a question is what is my return on investment at the brokerage I'm at? And how is that gonna play out in the future? Yeah. And is there one? Then is there one? <laughs> That's a good question. Wow. So what are you guys what are you guys doing now? Like what are you focused on? What's next? Uh, I think we're focused on maybe just finding out what's next. I I don't know if there's anything next other than status quo, like Fred mentioned earlier, even from like what's going on in the market right now, which is continuing to do what is already working, more okay. of that mm -hmm. and staying trying to stay nimble and aware of the reality of what's what's actually happening. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard for me to think about what's next uh, with anything substantial or concrete because it's nurture and grow what know. we already have, increase the number of investments. And for me, like I think Kevin's pretty close to me. Like I'm focused on not working very much in yeah. June and July. Yeah, like, it's awesome. nice to be able to get to that point where I can yeah. like take yeah. some time off, get out of Phoenix where it's yeah. deathly hot, and go. You know, enjoy time with family yeah. and still be able to maintain the businesses sure. and support well, the people because we operate virtually. Right. You know? Well, and you guys have a podcast that you've had for a while now, right? Kevin yeah, has a podcast. He put years. my name on there. Really I know. Nice yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the growth of that and launching it, the whys behind it. And um, you guys have gotten a lot of traction. I don't. Uh, so I did it because I wanted to. Like, of all, I, we, we talked about it for years. Like, we have a podcast like we thought we, I think we thought we had we had to have this like what you guys actually have set up here and we're like we don't even have anywhere to have this much less would we know how to press like the nine right button. cameras on me right now uh, <laughs> in, in microphones in places and, I don't even know where they all are and Sarah can <laughs> tell you get up <laughs> Sarah can tell you like we're in the room she's in the she's in the office one day and says something to the effect of like we're we've always filmed videos which you referenced yeah. earlier and so we, and at the time we were doing a lot of like two, three minute videos every single week and just kind of putting it out there on an educational real estate page. And she, she said something to the effect of like, if you want, I can just rip the audio off that and that could be a podcast. And I said, I was like, what? She goes, I could take the audio. I go, you mean if I gave you a video file, you could get audio from it? She's like, yeah. And it could be a podcast. And I'm like, I said, so if I use Zoom and I interviewed somebody and you could use that for a podcast? She goes, yeah. I go, I'll be back. We're gonna have a podcast. That's cool. That was literally it. Um, and for me, it was like an excuse to, to kind of just drill down with some people of like learning how do they think, what you know, what's their thought process on it, just different things like yeah. that. And so, I don't. I've, there's been different times where like I think about the growth of it, and 
normally it's like when I talk to Sarah and she'll she'll be like, hey, what about this or that? I'm like, oh yeah, that's really smart. But the truth of the matter is, I like talking to to people and like learning how they think and yeah. what their thought process is, and then sort of sharing that. I think part of it too is when we were at KW for so long. What we saw after a while is like everybody on stage looks the same, sounds the same, acts the same. They all pay the <laughs> we same talk amount. About it all the they time. pay all. They all pay to be on Maps Coaching or whatever. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. All companies do that, right? But what I disliked uh, and I thought was disingenuous was the fact of like everybody literally looked inside of the same. And I'm, and so I'm like, there's a lot of other smart people in the industry. Mm-hmm. What if like let's give them a stage and let's let's find out how they're winning? Because I think one of the amazing things about our business is there's not one way to do it. There's right. a ton of different ways to so be successful. Many. And so let's find out what some of those ways are so that way not everybody feels like they have to have yeah. the big mega team with the ISA team and all right. like all the stuff. They gotta be able like, to find their path, Yeah. right? And there's a different path for everybody. I mean, totally. you grew in different ways than, yeah. than what I did and, and I just found my path with what worked and I yep. stopped looking at what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just what, doesn't sell as well. <clears throat> I just, it I doesn't. Think it, Most people like the tiny yeah. path. Yeah. yeah, you know, What's versus the and then so, and find then, my own path. Find right? Well, and that's what the companies have found is like, yeah. tell me the path, and then oh, by the way, I can sell you the coaching for the path too. Right. And this is the only. So when you have a company like that size, I'm not picking on just KW. It's it's all of the major it's, brands. It's all yes. But it's it's just, a corporate thing, yeah, not even just a real estate. It thing. It is. Yeah. And so it's like, cool. Here here's the path, and since you're going to go down that path, because that's the only path we've ever shown you, and that's the only path we're ever going to talk about or write about. Here's the path we're going to charge you to coach you about too. So that way we can make sure you're doing the things that we told you to do so you can right. be successful. Right. And the truth is, there's like maybe 10% of the people in that path should be on that path. They should. There should be more people asking themselves, what kind of business do I want? Right. What do I want it to look Who like? Who am I? Yeah. That was like, I mean, it was, there should be more people going, no, I don't want that. Having the conversation of like, oh, so I'm not going on listing appointments. I have right. to figure out how to do it this way. Or Steve going, I got to figure out how to incorporate the investment side on here so that way I don't end up the way... I, the way I saw like the, the path his dad had, right? right? Of like helping other people get rich, but not himself. Yeah. And so there's gotta be, there's gotta be something for people to think. Yeah. And to, to realize <clears throat> that there's more than one option. And so for us, like, I know for me, because he's joking about it, but it is like, I, I definitely, that's like my baby. Like I'm purposely talking to people that do things differently and don't look the same and act the same that that's yeah. on stage everywhere. I love that. I mean, podcasts have become such a great vehicle Right. I mean, it's this like invention that's happened in the last uh, whatever years that lets you kind of have a voice without having anybody tell you you can or can't say something. You know, I mean, it's awesome. And I think it's cool, too, because I think early on you guys were always so good with videos and education. Like you guys were always putting content out. Like yeah. even before you people used the word. That's because they just didn't give a fuck. They just did it. But I think that's right? so, but I love they that. They didn't though. overproduce it. I they just, didn't do it. They just did I it. I just love it because so many people today overthink every yeah. little thing. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those. And you guys were just like, let's just put this out there and see what happens. And sometimes, you know, banks got mad. <laughs> but for the most sometimes part, you didn't, o- you, didn't, yeah. you didn't overthink the, the goal of sharing the information with yeah. it for the ego's sake, the goal of sharing the information was to help people. And you didn't overthink that, which I think is really cool. How about NLA Live? Is that coming back? Guy, yeah, you're the second person to ask me in two days. Was, Tony McCarty asked me that yesterday. I was wondering about that too. We've thought about it. We've been doing a lot of smaller events, like 35, 40 people yeah. in a room. Um, I would say not, not willing to commit to it today. Not now. Okay. Not now. We're not also, today. I would say if answers. you asked me that question, if you asked us that question like even six months ago, the, the answer was a hard no. 
Whereas now it's like, I don't know. It's just just a lot of work for, Dude, for the event. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. I don't think either one of us want to ask us in August, dude. <laughs> You'd be like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> ask us in August because at least because like right now I don't want to think about it. Like because the, the reality is is for us to pull that off. Let's just say this year. So go as far out as you could. Yeah. December. Right. We'd have to start. We'd already have to be planning. We'd already yeah. have to be well into planning. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot more to put on a 500 when there's only two people and a couple of support staff behind them. Like it takes a whole lot of time to pull off a four or five hundred person event yeah yeah i know it's a lot of work it was a good event though it was last last one i went through before covid yeah came down in vegas so close to having a third one until covid (laughs) covid and then it gave you the time to decide if you ever even wanted to do them yeah well you can only lose (laughs) so much money on marketing and and deposits and stuff before you like god what was your biggest like what was the biggest biggest win out of any of doing those events for you guys I think we enjoyed. It was the, the money, curator. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we killed it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think we just so enjoy being the curators of yeah. content and putting Love people that. that maybe other people haven't heard in front of them and then letting like, their socks knocked off, so to speak. Yeah. Like, there's some speakers that you need that you're like, ah, oh, people are familiar with this person. It'll sell the ticket. Mm-hmm. But I think probably the more fun part for us is the people that nobody knows who they are. For and sure. then you leave that event and you're like, that was really good. Yeah, I right? love that. Yeah. So, I mean, I got a text in the last 30 days, 60 days from some, I'm not going to use, use their name on, in public, but like just randomly out of nowhere acknowledging the fact that the NLA Live really like set a path for this person into their business has just exploded today, exploded because of that quote unquote stage yeah. that we offered up. and. And someone um, did something with it, right? How many yeah, people go to these yeah. events and they like absorb and they don't do anything? And so it's so cool. That's rewarding yeah. to hear from yeah. somebody like That's that. That's awesome. And it's you know again like we we end up like the thought process wasn't oh we're gonna go build EXP with this. We were doing it before we were EXP, but the benefit is like some people do like sometimes that's where the benefit shows up. Sometimes the benefit shows up in just better relationships or yeah. or new relationships and referral partners and you like you just you just never know. You never know. And as long so as you're true. willing, as long as you're willing to let it be like that, sort of open, then good stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Sofa king Sofa good. Sofa king good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good it's a great wine. <laughs> it's one of my so, favorite. Sofa king bueno. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Chronic sellers. Yes. <laughs> so let's let's Could put you get a, some pads on these chairs next time. Seriously. Oh, Sorry guys. All right. Yeah, about that. Mine too. All right. All right. <laughs> we're done. On that note, we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> What's the biggest thing that we can do for you guys? What's the biggest, like, coolest thing? What would be something awesome that you know, anybody next, listening or we can do for you guys? Next time Steve decides to switch brokerages, just have oh, him call just, us I first. Just, have, just give us a <laughs> quick hand drop. That's yeah, all I got. I drove all the way out here just to wait to deliver that one. <laughs> so, These were probably the hardest people to tell that I made the move. It wasn't. You know, I don't think you ever well, you told, us, told us. So. We found out on Instagram like everyone right, else. sure that qualifies. Yeah. That is fantastic. <laughs> that or... Yeah, for sure. Next time Steve changes brokerages uh, or podcasts, the Kevin and Fred show. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, outside of that, I don't know. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. buy That's a it. ticket to the event we haven't planned yet. And only, and only live, whatever year, whatever. Yeah. I don't even know. I'll volunteer to speak. Okay, cool. Twenty twenty four. Yeah, exactly. Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty five. Might be able to commit to that when they come off vacation. <laughs> if we can get fifty, if we get a hundred pre sales, maybe. Yeah. 
I just think it's so cool to get to see talk to you guys after all the years, just because you know I've had the fortune of getting to work with you back in a time and just getting to see you guys and everything you've accomplished in the space, the influence, like the impact. It's really cool. Thank you. And that was such I'm a so funky time, of, too. I'm so proud of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but it's like, you know, I think about our relationship over 14 years. I mean, we were all freaking flat-ass broke mm-hmm. and oh. trying to figure it out. And I think that's the thing that, you know. made up some really know, good shit in those days. <clears throat> kind of end on this note, right? <laughs> <laughs> there was a time. Yes. <laughs> to, to end on this, though, is like, what would you encourage agents right now that are kind of you know freaking out right we all did it early on when the market was way weird and guess what we were making a hell of a lot less money back then right it was like a thousand dollars per reo that we were making right you'd have to do 30 of them to make 30 grand so what advice would you have for the agent community right now that are kind of in freak out mode i'd say number one like go do some soul searching on why you sell real estate and why you believe in it and why others should should believe in owning real estate like, like if that. you at any level question the ownership of real estate it's going to be real tough to sell it in the yeah. down market um that'd be number one number two i'd study the market not daily like that'll drive you nuts but like once a week like we look at cromford you know report here in phoenix and go through it with our team for 15 20 minutes and just like we, I'm, my job, I don't control the data or the market. Right. I, all I can do is interpret it. So yeah. I would take a look at what's going on once a week. And then right now I'd also like really bond together with other agents in my market. And I'd be hosting events and mastermind lunches and stuff like that. Just to ask what yeah. are people seeing, what's working, you know, because maybe it's not as drastic as you think it is, or maybe it's actually happening a lot faster than you think it is. And you're, you're not as in tune with it. Yep. Um, you know, sometimes we can live in these little pockets in, in our different parts of the market yep. where we don't feel it as much. So yep. that'd be my three things, Definitely. you know, like awesome. believe in the ownership of real estate, look at your market stats at least weekly, and then like really bond together with other agents. Cause I think that's how we all survived was a bunch of collaboration yeah. and sharing yeah. of ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. totally. Totally agree. That was really awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't you. know that I add much to that other than I think there's a lot of people that have get gotten away with no without the need for the skill. Agree. And so if you don't have that yet and you know that you don't, yeah, like get on, get on. Like if yeah. you first of all, if you meet the other qualifiers that Fred just had, like you actually believe in ownership of real estate and you want to continue to do this, and you know that hey, my skills aren't maybe where they need to be. And by the way, if you're not sure of that question, then further emphasizes this point of go get in rooms with right. other real estate agents, people that have been down the path that are maybe a little bit further along than you are and and then start learning. And talk to people. Like, you know, I love the idea of collaborating and creating groups, but there's so many people that are a phone call away that can oh, provide yeah. you with so much intel. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's never a lack of uh, resources, just a lack of resourcefulness. For sure, for sure. Last thing I'd say to you, Steve, is like, <laughs> what, uh, like when the market was the worst here in Phoenix in the last 20 years, like how many homes sold in the Phoenix area? What would your guess be? I haven't looked at it, but I think it's around 55 to 65,000. Yeah, it was like 55 to 65,000. Probably like 08 or so. Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing would be like from an emotional standpoint, like if you ask, like if you're actually feeling the emotions, it would be just to go study the facts. Like how bad could it get? Oh, it could go from 110,000 sales, maybe down to 55 to 60. Okay, is that or is there still enough of the pie available to me if I sell real estate in Phoenix to go out and do business? So people do, Mm -hmm. even in the worst of markets, still 55 to 65,000 homes a year selling Phoenix. Okay, like that'd be a good information to know. Right. Because like, if you've never been in a market where yeah. it was going down and interest rates were rising, like maybe you think nobody buys. Maybe you think people right. only buy when stuff goes up. But if you actually went and studied the market, you might learn that, okay, more people buy when stuff goes up. Right. right. But motivation and life changes and everything else cause people to still buy and sell even when the market's down. 
Okay, that'd be good to know. Like you and I talked about on that Zoom not too long ago. Like, don't what believe the right don't yeah. believe the story. Yeah. Like, go go, go find, find out the out data. What's going on. Yeah. Go find the truth. Don't let the story. Uh, don't yeah. let the story like just you know disguise the facts. Don't don't let that yeah. happen. Yeah, and I think it's just it goes back right. Everybody wants to go back and revisit two thousand eight. And they don't know all the facts, it's the wrong right? Question. It really it's is. the wrong question. It's the wrong stuff, and it's like th those don't have anything to do with right now. Yeah. And and they're so like, well, is that going to happen again? I don't think it is, right? And we're not going to be anywhere so. close just, to where it is. Just a different environment <clears throat> that feels the same. The banking environment <laughs> itself wouldn't allow that stuff no. to go on. Yeah. No, they you would know, correct like it a lot faster. You, you mentioned earlier, COVID, like it was all about keeping people in homes. Yeah, I think that would be the exact same response if the market dropped twenty percent tomorrow. Well, well, how do we keep people in homes? Right. Not how do we increase bailing on real estate? Right, and they know how to turn it faster. Right, I yeah. mean, they were so slow at turning it last oh time. My oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, we had to fax short sale packages in. That probably didn't help. <laughs> like Kevin reminded me of that yesterday. Like, no, we were faxing paperwork in. Like, I know, like the, the technology page, difference in fourteen yeah. years. Like how much you know yeah. better yeah. decisions can totally. be made with data and technology versus yep. what we did back yeah. then. No doubt. Our MCI no, no. calling card probably will never get used again. <laughs> MCI. It really was an MCI calling card that was used for faxes, yeah. long-term faxes. Yeah, because they uh, gave free long distance. They did. Yeah. Fax machines. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty, and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.